Hello and welcome to the Battle Line Podcast, where we have conversations on that collision of space between community, faith, and culture. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Satterley, and here with me is the National Director of Publications, my co-host on this podcast, my co-host in life, Major Jamie Satterley. How are you doing today, Major? I am excellent, but you are the perfect hype man and always make me extremely uncomfortable with how, <laughs> how important you make me sound. We also have with us here <laughs> our co-host and producer, our media and marketing manager. Again, you know her as the one whose acronym of her job title is mm. <laughs> the one who makes this whole thing run. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I'm totally stoked to be here. Awesome. All right. So we're excited and stoked. <laughs> Jamie, tell us who we're talking to today and we'll see if they are equally stoked and excellent. Yeah. So this is a, a very exciting episode uh, for us, for our listeners. And you may be aware uh, that the Salvation Army's High Council has been called uh, now in the month of May to elect the new general of the Salvation Army. And so we thought that it would be uh good for our listeners to hear from somebody who has been involved in this high council process and can help explain a little bit about what happens. Uh, and so we have with us today our national leaders, Commissioners Ken and Jolene Hodder, uh, and they're going to, uh, you know, just answer some questions and kind of give us some information on what it's like to be a part of the high council, what its purpose is, just a little bit of a behind the scenes look, if you will. Good morning, commissioners. How are you? Good morning, folks. It's great to be with you this morning. Good morning. And I, I have to say, I'm with Elizabeth. I feel stoked as well. <laughs> this is what stoked looks like. This is what stoked is. That's right. For me, anyway. If you look up stoked in the dictionary, there's a picture of Commissioner <laughs> Kenneth Otter in there. Uh, maybe <laughs> <Absolutely>. not. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to jump. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Again, uh, yeah, for the Salvationists out there who are listening, they just, we hear about High Council, and we just want to know a little bit more about it. Now, I'm not going to ask you the first question. Tell us about yourselves, because we already covered that on our last episode that we recorded together. You want to hear the story, go back to some uh, older episodes and listen to that, or we ask the national leaders all about that. So our first question to you, commissioners, is this. How does the High Council get called? This is kind of a long parter. This is sort of a long, a, a, like a four-part question here. How does it get called? Does it happen every year? What like what's the what's the preamble to high council? Okay, sure, glad to do that. Um, I think the place to start is with the Salvation Army Act, nineteen eighty. In nineteen eighty, all of the procedures that had built up over the years in the history of the army for the selection of a general were put into a piece of legislation that was approved by the British Parliament. That includes a number of schedules, and one of those schedules has to do with how the high council functions. And essentially what it comes down to in most instances is that the high council is a body of territorial commanders and commissioners from around the world, which meet as needed so as to select a new general when the current general has reached 68 years of age. So it doesn't happen every year. It doesn't even happen every few years. The maximum term for a general, unless it's extended by the high council, is five years. So it will occur generally on a five-year rotation. Um, that has been uh, different in the last uh, uh, 
couple of uh, high councils. This is our fourth high council, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. We were there 2011, 2013, 2018, and now this one. So that's unusual. But a maximum about every five years, it depends on how old the new general is when he or she is elected. Okay, great. Thank you for answering that, Commissioner. Now, a follow-up question to that is this. Does the high council only ever get together to elect a general, or does the high council allowed to uh, like have other decisions that they can get together and vote on, or is a high council just singular in purpose? There's, yeah, just singular in purpose. We go specifically to elect a new general. Yes, that's right. Uh, a high council can meet to remove a general, but there's no other business. Oh, that's spicy. Maybe we won't ask about <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> but that is that has only happened once. That was 1929. That would be a whole fun story to talk about one day. <laughs> <laughs> so what? I have a spinoff question on this. What if what if the high council were to do something crazy and elect like a forty-seven-year-old, but if he can only serve five years, what happens to him after the five years? Uh, the high council can extend for up to two years uh, on one-year uh, increments, but that's it. He or she would be done. Or they could just go back to be a corps officer. Or they could go back to being a corps officer. That's right. But as general, that would be the end for them. Now, anybody can actually be a general. You can nominate any Salvation Army officer so they could be a lieutenant. Um, yeah, rank does not matter when it comes to nominations. So the question this morning is, are you both available? <laughs> well, I didn't want it to become this, but I'm launching my... <laughs> Uh, after my exploratory committee that I put out there. <laughs> no, that the the my my wife's absolutely right. Any officer, whether or not they are sitting in that room, is eligible to be elected. It, that doesn't generally happen, though, right? Typically, it is somebody that's a part of the high council or has yes. that sort of level of leadership experience. Yes, that's yes. right. Before Jamie asks her next question, I do want to say I appreciate us using the word generally as a pun throughout this. You've all said it a couple of times. Generally speaking. Generally speaking. So great job. Great job. Okay, very good. It was uh, all on purpose, I can assure you. <laughs> so, go okay, you mentioned 1929 uh, and kind of a little bit. Uh, we won't go into all the... Uh, I don't know, fun, more fun aspects of what happened in 1929. But can you talk a little bit about what led to the creation of the high council? Because uh, it wasn't that wasn't the original setup, right, for the high council to come together. Yeah, that's, that, right. that's absolutely right. Originally, uh, William Booth uh, was authorized to simply indicate in a letter who his success would be. And that letter would be opened upon his death. But uh, there was a lot of discussion, and indeed it created a constitutional crisis in the Army in the 1920s, about what that would mean for the future of the Salvation Army. So in 1929, that first group of commissioners came together, and they actually removed the sitting general, who was the son of William Booth, Bramwell Booth, and elected a new general, General Edward Higgins. And... It was a difficult uh, time for the Army, as you can imagine. There's a great book on this by General John Larson called 1929 that I recommend all of your listeners read. It's fascinating. But it was so critical because it meant that the Army would be more than simply 
the province of a family. Now it was truly going to be released to be a force for God, independent of family associations around the world. And obviously, it's proven to be exactly the right thing to have happen. That's great. That's great. Thank you for that, Commissioner. Yes, we highly recommend the books to you, 1929 and Inside the High Council. Uh, make sure that you check those out. So, okay, commissioners, you get to high council. You've been there four times. You've arrived. All the territorial commanders, all the command uh, territorial leaders are in, command leaders. Tell us, what does the initial preliminary meetings look like? Is there coffee and donuts when you walk in the door? <laughs> well, we are salvationists. There has to be coffee. No doubt about it. <laughs> lots and lots of coffee. Well, I think one of my favorite um, things that we do for preliminary meetings is simply the worship and seeking the Lord's direction. There is a lot of... Um, just focus on on what the Holy Spirit is telling us. Yes, there's a great deal of prayer. There are several extended prayer sessions. Uh, there is a public welcome meeting. Uh, there is uh, an opportunity for us to get to know people from around the world that we not, might not have met before. It's a very warm time of fellowship and consecration. Cool. So, and how long do these? Is this usually one day, two days? Before you get into the nitty gritty? It can be uh, two or three days. Uh, the current general may have uh, some things that he would like to share with the high council in advance of their actual convening as a body so that everyone will be up to speed as to what he or she believes are key issues for the Salvation Army. That's not required, uh, but uh, some generals have taken that opportunity. Uh, there, but generally, I think my wife is absolutely right. This is a time for prayer. It's a time for scripture. It's a time to set the tone for the meetings themselves. Love that. Love that. Commissioner, before Jamie asked her next question, it did have a little thing. Does, is the general, the current general, allowed in the room during high council? No, he is not. Uh, the, the current general uh, will... Uh, we will see him and uh, his wife, Commissioner Rosalie Peddle, at their f uh, formal farewell, which is actually the welcome of the High Council. That will be a public meeting. But other than that, uh, he does not attend, nor does she. Okay, interesting. All right, so we talked a little bit. You've already mentioned that you don't have to be there to be nominated or you don't have to hold a specific rank. Um, but can you talk a little bit about how that nomination process works? Are there any like any qualifications that you have to have, you know, held these certain positions or met these certain markers in your officership, or is it really just open to? So, so we're getting back to the issue as to whether or not you're available. Yeah. Is, that, is that what we're getting to? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Actually, there's well, no prerequisites whatsoever. It's just that you have to be a Salvation Army officer. Yeah, there's, there, there are no experience requirements. No uh, educational requirements. No educational requirements. Looking better and better for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, in terms of procedures, your question is a very good one, Jamie. Um, every high council can make its own rules. Uh, it has the complete freedom to decide how it wants to select a general. What has happened over the years is that the procedures of the preceding High Council are shared with the current one. And that over time has acquired a sense of this is a good process 
to follow. So very often the high council will look at what has been done before, will spend some time reviewing it, tweaking it, updating it, uh, but then adopting those rules. And if that happens this time, the nomination process itself will simply require three nominating votes from people in the room for a particular individual. So what happens is this. The president of the high council will open the floor for nominations and everyone will be given a slip of paper. They write the name of the person that they believe would be a good general. Those are all counted. Any individual who has three or more at the conclusion of that process is considered a nominee. The nominees are then asked to stand and to indicate whether or not they will become candidates for the high council. Sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. And then at the conclusion of that process, you know exactly who is going to stand for the role of general. The first person we elect, however, the very first person is the president. That will be the first thing that we do. Gotcha. And is that done same thing, slip of paper, just voting for a, for a president? Right. Yep. Uh, the, the, the chief of the staff is in charge before the high council convenes. He will invite everyone to put down the name of a nominee for president, and they go through the same process. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So, Commissioner, oh, go ahead, Major Jamie. You had a follow-up No, I'm just there? going to ask it. Once the nomination happens and these people say, yes, I will agree to be nominated, do you is what does it look like immediately after that? I know that there's like a, they normally give a speech, but can you are you allowed to just ask them any questions that you want to ask them? Uh, well, that that's a great question in itself. the The role of general is one that everyone knows is going to be enormously challenging and high pressured, and that begins the moment you become a candidate. If you are nominated and you stand and you say, "I will stand." The president will then uh, adjourn the high council and the candidates, and if they have a spouse, their spouses, will have a period of about, ooh, about 18 hours in which to complete uh, a questionnaire that has about 15 questions for the general nominee uh, candidate and five questions for the spouse and to write a speech. All of that is then sent back to the Secretariat of the High Council. It's all translated into the various languages that need to be prepared. And then the president, once that process is done, will reconvene the whole body so as to receive that information. So here's a base question, Commissioner. You have to forgive me, please, for asking this such a silly question. But do people – has it ever – are you allowed to politic for yourself? Are you allowed to hype yourself up? I know that as servants of Jesus, we try to get the attention off of us and onto him. But isn't there maybe just a part of us or sometimes sometimes where we're like, hey, what's – you know, almost like – and if, again, forgive the base question, but like almost like, hey – this is what I can do to, for you if you vote for right. me. Kind yeah. Of sure. Thing. Yeah. Sure. N N no. <laughs> yeah. In fact, in fact, my wife's right. Not only is there no politicking, but we are even instructed, at least we have in the last three high councils, we're even instructed not to express ourselves in the way that we as salvationists normally would. For example, uh, 
when uh, each candidate delivers his or her speech. It's not really a speech. They are to go to the front of the room and they will read the text that they have submitted. They're not allowed to add to it. They're not allowed to subtract from it. And no one in the room is encouraged to respond. You can't shout out amen. You can't say hallelujah, even though those are very common for us as salvationists. Anything that would suggest an emotional response, pro or negative for a particular candidate, is actively discouraged. As a matter of fact, you will find many of us in the room, we will not even look at the person giving the speech. We will all keep our head down and listen to the speech. And that is because we are so, we are encouragers. Yeah, and, yes, um, ma'am. You know, it's very hard not to just nod your head or to smile or to wink or to whatever. <laughs> so many of us will just keep our heads down and listen. How tough, how tough. Yeah, that would be hard for me. I would definitely have to look straight down because I cannot keep the the emotions off of my face. Well, that, that, and that's his area. But you can see the risks if you if you if you start showing emotions. Uh, others in the room might begin to see that as politicking. So you just can't. You you have to stay completely away from it. Interesting. Uh, okay, so once once the speeches have been given and those questions and things have been answered, how does the voting process work? Like, uh, is it? You know, you're just writing on a slip of paper. Has it moved to an electronic thing? Uh, how, is there is a it box? just simple majority? Yeah. Is there a dedicated? Is it like William Booth's hat that we're dropping the slip of paper <laughs> in? Like, what are we? Well, you know, again, that's a, that's another great question. Uh, to this point, the process has always been a slip of paper. Uh, whether or not it becomes electronic in this high council will actually be one of the rule issues that the High Council will have to address. Do they want electronic voting or do they want to keep it uh, based upon uh, written slips of paper? But the vote, in whatever way it's taken, is taken for all the candidates. The one that receives the lowest number of votes is automatically eliminated. And you go through rounds of voting until the general is selected. The general has to be selected by two thirds, uh, pardon me, three quarters plus one of all the people in the room. So depending upon the number of people who are there, it has to be that number plus one. So it, it's a high bar. It's a high bar, but that again is to ensure the international unity of the Salvation Army. Uh, indeed, once the individual is actually selected, we then have a part of the closing ceremony in which every person in the room will come to the front, shake the hand of the individual who's been elected, and pledge their support. And indeed, they're asked to sign a document in which they will pledge their support. So that when the High Council ends and the doors open, the world can know we stand as a united Salvation Army. Uh, we are one, led by the Lord, empowered by the Holy Spirit with a single general. That's absolutely critical. And uh, I think it's one of the best parts of the whole process. I do, too. That, that's an exciting part of the process. But um, 
actually taking the voting can last for hours because you can imagine that we're taken, you know, out. Oh, yes, that's right. We don't we don't vote in the same room. You were taken out. There's usually a Bible. And so you can kneel and pray before you vote. So you can imagine if we're all taking time to kneel and to, and to pray before every vote, it can take hours just to do one round. Yes, ma'am. Are the names on a whiteboard or something? Is that how uh, you no, were able to remember? No, no, there's no names on a whiteboard. <laughs> for, for every round, the names will be listed on that sheet of paper. And then for each round, generally, the color of the paper will change so that you know it's a new round. All right, Commissioner. So a new general has been elected, just like you said. Everybody has shaken their hand, his or her hand, shown their support. What Now the doors are open, like you said. Now what happens in those days and weeks immediately after a general is elected? Enormous amount of work has to be done for the transition. This general will take office at midnight on August the 2nd, which is the birthday, uh, pardon me, which is the five-year anniversary of the taking of office by the current general. So between roughly the end of May and the beginning of August, the general elect will have to do everything associated with learning what's happening internationally, uh, with speaking into the possibility for uh, changes as those become necessary, to move to the United Kingdom. It's a lot of work that takes place between uh, the election and the actual of taking office. I totally forgot that you had to move. I don't yeah, know why well, that never occurred to me. And this, that also begs the question, though, like, what if what if we were to elect somebody like a an officer from Africa or from India where it might be harder to get those visas? That is a situation we'd have to face if it came up. They, the international headquarters is London. Uh, the process is taking place as the result of what parliament has indicated the army should do. So you can imagine that if that situation were to come up, uh, the first phone call that the chief of the staff would make would be to the foreign office in the United Kingdom saying, we've just followed your rules. We've elected this officer from uh, a very different part of the world. We need to make sure that he or she and his or her spouse can come into the United Kingdom and take up office. Commissioner, can we, uh, can we go back for a minute? Sorry, we just kind of skipped over this. And I just a follow up question. Is the president the one or did they have a staff there? Who is counting the votes? Who's taking all those slips of paper out of William Booth's hat? We elect those individuals as well. Yeah, we elect we elect a chaplain. We elect tellers, which is what my wife's referring to. We elect a vice president. So just putting those things in place takes a couple of days. Now, if any of those that we have pre-elected is nominated for general, they would have to step out of that position and we would have to re-nominate a person to take that the replacement. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes so sense. It can, you can see how it can stop the process and then you have to take care of those things. So commissioners, just to again, go back where we were after a general is elected. Is there, I think, is there a, um, almost like a media day or something where the general is brought before members of the media to say, this is our new, uh, general of the Salvation Army. When the doors open, uh, after the election and the president announces the name of the general, uh, that opportunity is presented to the press. So he or she will instantly 
have to be able to speak articulately about what the Salvation Army is and is doing, uh, respond to difficult questions, perhaps, set the agenda, set the agenda for, for the International Army. Uh, from the moment he or she is elected, the general and the general elect uh, have enormous uh, responsibilities. That's that's so crazy, Commissioner. For the minute the door is open, you have to be ready to go. Man. That's right. Yep. Commissioner, you may or may not know that I am a uh, an official card carrying member of a press corps uh, oh. in my role as director of publications. So. Uh, if they have to open the doors and face the press, can I request permission to be said press? <laughs> You're looking for a trip to the United Kingdom. I mean, I would like to live tweet the whole thing, but I think they would probably not allow that to happen. <laughs> I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about uh, what, what, why does this whole thing matter to, to the you know, International Salvation Army does the general, you know, really have much effect on what we're doing from day to day? Why is this so important to the Salvation Army? That's a great question. Sweetheart, do you want to give your answer first? My answer would be, I think it's it's a beautiful process in which um, leaders from all over the world get to choose the general. So everyone really does represent their own territory, their own culture, their own work. And, and so in that way, I think it's, it's a beautiful process. Yes. Uh, unity is certainly very high on the list. Uh, beyond that, the way the Salvation Army is structured links every part of our work around the world to the office of the general. That prevents schism. Uh, it ensures uh, the maintenance of our mission. So the role of general uh, is important for legal reasons. And then beyond that, the selection of the general can provide enormous inspiration uh, and uh, encouragement to officers and to soldiers and to advisory board members and to the world at large. So there are structural reasons, spiritual reasons, and uh, 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 organizational uh, reasons that make the role of general so significant. Commissioners, you're about to head that way. Uh, we know High Council is this month, and we have been praying for the leaders that was sent out um, from the Office of Spiritual Life. We've been praying for you know wisdom, peace, courage, all those good things. But as you are getting ready to head to High Council, what can the Salvation Army nationally, our people who are listening to this now, because this episode will come out before you leave, what can we be praying for the both of you and for the High Council as we as you get ready to go? That the Holy Spirit will direct our voting. You know, it's it's difficult to get into a room like that and start to vote and not let your preferences take over. Um, but we all know that sometimes the Lord chooses people that we would not choose and that he has a plan and he might want to do a miracle and we don't want to step in his way. We want to, to listen to the Holy Spirit. Mm. I think I would, uh, in that same vein, ask people to pray uh, in a way that Samuel probably did, that we would not select the person who looks the best or stands the tallest or is the most handsome, uh, who may be the most compelling public speaker, but who the Lord has already chosen uh, 
uh, to lead the Salvation Army. So pray that we will see David uh, in the midst of all of the discussions that take place. That's great. That's great, commissioners. All right, before we ask you our last question, is there anything else about High Council that you would want to tell us before we before we ask you the last question that you get out of here? I want people to remember that we have elected a few women as well. Amen. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, that's right. All right. Listen, I'm pulling for it. First, first married general, married lady general. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. Not that I'll be, uh, you know, skewing my prayers a certain direction or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, the best, the best person for the job. That's what we want. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> All righty. So at the end of every episode, you know, we have this question, uh, what is giving you joy this week? So commissioners, do you want to go first? What's bringing you joy? What's bringing me joy is the knowledge of God's daily presence. I'm just amazed at how I get so involved in my day. But if I just stop, it is very clear to me that he is with me and giving me direction. And that brings me joy. For several reasons, I'm particularly conscious of God's sustaining grace right now. And uh, that brings me enormous peace and a deep-seated joy that goes beyond happiness. Uh, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, have access to power that the world cannot offer. Amen. It's just a tremendous blessing. Amen. Thank you for that, commissioners. For me, I'm going to say that you guys would be willing to do this podcast with us today. Um, I mean, it's not often that you get to speak to people who have been to four high councils. And again, when you don't hear what happens over there, you start to just assume it looks like something in your head. And so to have you just kind of break it down and say, this is what it looks like. I'm just grateful for you for being willing, as I said earlier, to spill the tea a little bit about uh, the high council. Major Jamie, how about you? What's uh, what's bringing you joy? So right now, uh, in the kind of in the backyard of our house, uh, right past the deck, we have a little, I don't know, foresty area, but there's a lot of um, plants and bushes that most of the year are green or in the winter are dead. Uh, but there's like this little window of time in the spring where they all blossom. I don't know how they, they somehow coordinate amongst their plant selves and they all blossom the plants at the get same. together. They have a high council. They do. They have a high council. Have and they all just blossom in the same window of time. And it is just this beautiful, uh, I don't know. It's just this beautiful piece of God's creation. That's just so colorful. Uh, and just the way our house is situated, whether I'm, you know, at the, kitchen table, working on schoolwork or doing whatever with the girls or, you know, in the little living room area, or even from the windows in our bedroom, I can see this profusion of color and it, uh, God's creation is, is always a refreshment to me in a way that I connect with the Lord. And so it's just a beautiful reminder every day, uh, of who God is and the blessings, even something as small as, you know, a blooming flower, uh, you know, as just a reminder of, of who he is and uh, his goodness in my life. And so it's a a small window in the spring, but I am enjoying it very much right now. It's bringing me a lot of joy. Well, you know, I I have to follow up on that, Jamie. We have on our front door, a wreath and Mm -hmm. this spring, uh, a, a bird decided to build her nest in the wreath on our front door. So I have no longer turned on the nightlight, uh, of our porch, and I am forbidding 
uh, either my wife or me from using the front door. But every once in a while, I'll open our front door and I'll look at the glass door in front of it and I'll peek in and we've got four little birds there oh, very now. cool. That have just, you know, so I'll say, hatched, welcome yeah. to the world. And they've just hatched. So uh, when you say the God's creation, I know exactly what you mean. That's That's been bringing me joy. It's beautiful. Hey, Commissioner, how Southern of you, how Southern territory of you to leave your Christmas wreath on the door up until May? <laughs> it's not a Christmas wreath, Major Matt. It is suitably seasonal. I like that. I like that. Elizabeth, I don't know if you're able to give us anything that's sharing you joy. I know you said uh, you were having some audio problems. Are you able to jump in or hard pass? I, I'm here. Okay. What's giving you joy? Yes, we can hear you. I have just been totally loving tie-dye. <laughs> and so whenever I see it, I'm like, oh, it's amazing. It's so rad. So I just totally dig it. That's so very Gen Z, very in it the really, moment. It really is. Listen, it's funny to me. Every every generation has its moment with tie-dye. It's always a little different, but somehow it, it always cycles back around. It is never going to go away, I don't think. Shout out to all those girl guard crafts, girl guard <laughs> yeah, crafts, right. rubber band and a t-shirt. <laughs> That's fun. Commissioners, thank you so very much again for being willing to do this and to peel back the curtain a little bit of what it just looks like um, when the high council meets. We will be praying for you. We'll be praying for the high council and um, all of our leaders as they lead us forward into the future. Thanks so much, folks. And thank, thank you. you for this podcast. You do a great job. Thank you so much. That's going to end this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Battle Line wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out the Peer website at peermag.org or follow Peer on the socials at peer.magazine. Also, shameless plug, the War Cry May edition is all about the High Council. Uh, so be sure to check that out. There's an excerpt in there from Inside a High Council. You can read a little bit more. Also, an interview with General Andre Cox about his experience with the High Council and as general. So lots of good, good content in there if you want to know more about the High Council. Until the next time, this has been the Battle Line Podcast. Bye, everybody. See ya.